Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Dylan Short, for 680 The Fan and the Dickey Broadcasting Corporation, found at the Podcast Spark, along with all of your other favorite 680 The Fan hosts, or wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts, whether that be, I don't know, iTunes, Google Play, I don't know, where, wherever. You can pretty much find the show wherever you want to at this point, and I always appreciate all of you guys listening to the show every Tuesday and every Thursday, and Days like today, it's kind of a mixed match bag a little bit, because on the one hand, we finally got what 90% of us have been clamoring for for, you know, about a month now, with Spencer Strider getting his first start, and on the other hand, we also got to watch a Braves team lose yet again, and still remain under 500. So, obviously, the lead for today is going to be Spencer Strider. But just talking with a little bit of recap, the Braves did drop game 162 on some really bad defense, some dumb luck, and some some bad Babbitt luck a little bit for Spencer Strider, uh, and some tough luck for Dylan Lee. A couple of of those, um, well, I should say the first three runs that scored off of Spencer Strider can pretty much be directly correlated to having Marcelo Zuna in left field, which is one of those things that it doesn't show up in in the ERA, which is another reason why you shouldn't use ERA. But it is one of the things that you have to kind of take into account. One of the same reasons why uh, people of the, I'll say, the older baseball fandom generation seem to be so perplexed that guys like Aaron Nola uh, end up struggling in their their pitcher record uh, or, or why, based on their ERA, they should be performing very badly. And then you look at their FIPS and all of a sudden, or, or then you face them and they pitch well. Like, Where's this been all year? And you, you kind of dig a little bit deeper and go, oh, well, turns out that you do have to field a major league defense. So Spencer Strider got burned for it a little bit yesterday. Um, but what you saw was what we should have seen basically a month ago uh, from the Braves. And that's letting Spencer Strider get that opportunity as the fifth starter. As uh, he goes four and a third innings, allowed four hits, five earned runs. Two of those were after he had left already. And Dylan Lee gave up a double to Cattell Marte. Um I think that was Cattell Marte. Yeah, it was Cattell Marte's uh, after Dylan Lee came in. Had two walks, seven strikeouts, and the one home run in the first inning, I believe it was. Um, and that was that that home run came after a ball dropped in left field that had no business dropping in left field. The Marcelo Zuna should have been there to make that play, or any competent left fielder would have made that play fairly easily. Uh, unfortunately, you can only play with the hands you're dealt. And if you're Spencer Strider... You're not very happy about your ERA blooming that much, but if you're if you watched the game, then you saw exactly what you were hoping to see, and that was 
a guy going out there in that fifth starter role, which the Braves have had so many issues with this entire season, having a guy going out there in that role and just being dominant for stretches at a time. The seven strikeouts were a big key there as at, at any point in time when most of your outs are coming from strikeouts. And for Spencer, when you're talking about four and a third, that means he made 13 total outs. Over half of those outs were strikeouts. And that is kind of what you get with him. That's why we've been clamoring for Spencer Strider for so long, because the best way to neutralize bad defense is to not allow the opposing hitter to hit the baseball. Uh, and for Spencer Strider, even if he doesn't have some of the other pitches working, he has two swing and miss pitches. You got to see the changeup a lot yesterday. 22% of his pitches, in fact, yesterday were his changeup, which is very, very good. And if you watched yesterday, he got eight swings on it. Four of those were misses. That is a uh, that is good for a 30, I want to say it was a 34% uh, called strike swinging percentage rate. Uh, very, very good numbers on the changeup, I guess, is what I'm saying to those of you that don't really care about the lay terms or, or the true sabermetric names for those analytics. Um, all you need to know is he showed his third pitch, something that he'd only thrown 2% while he's been coming out of the bullpen, and it was wildly effective. It was a really good pitch. It was a really good velocity differential. His fastball, he was sitting anywhere between 97 and 100, um, paced himself really well. His velocity was carried into that fourth inning. And then he threw, uh, he, he got up over 70 pitches. They'd said before that they were kind of looking at about 70 pitches for the pitch count, and he ended up going just over 70 pitches. I thought you could have had him try to finish off the inning that he got pulled out of, but at that point, he did kind of look a little bit gassed uh, through 72 pitches, 51 of which were strikes. Really, really good ratio. The other thing Spencer did really well yesterday was get ahead of batters, and that's one of the things that I really like about watching Spencer Strider pitch. It's one of the things that I think separates him from a lot of other young guys is he just he's just incredibly aggressive. He doesn't really mess around. He's not going to try to to bury one in the dirt most of the time for waste pitches. He'll throw one outside the zone to get you to chase, but overall he's looking to be economical and efficient with his pitch counts. The best way to do that is to to not mess around. That if you can just overpower somebody, overpower them. Now, will that remain all the way through once every team gets a look at him at him and there's a little bit more of a scouting report on his pitches? I don't know. Um, chances are that the league will adjust to him and he'll be forced to make another adjustment back. But you can't look at his outing yesterday and, and not feel very confident and feel very good about what you saw yesterday. It was really, really good. Uh, I, I'm happy that they finally got him in the rotation. I still just wonder why it took this long when you gave Bryce Elder five starts and you know he couldn't hit the strike zone at all. Uh, you gave Tucker Davidson three outings. Looks like Tucker is uh, Tucker got sent back down. Tyler Thornburg got his release from the organization. Um, but it does look like, for now at least anyway, that fifth starter spot is going to be Spencer Strider's until he shows you that he needs to go back to the bullpen. Uh, or, depending on what happens with Mike Soroka, if Mike Soroka, who's heading down to Florida to get started actually uh, facing some live hitters and some simulated situations and, and really ramping up his rehab... Soroka is planning to come back right around the all-star break, maybe right after. Um, now, if that's the case, then I would imagine Soroka ends up getting that fifth starter spot. Maybe in my perfect world, that would be where you kind of do a piggyback situation where on that day, whether whatever way you want to start them out, it is Soroka and Strider. Um, they did say that the plan is for Strider to continue stretching out in the rotation rather than them sending him down to try to stretch out his pitch count, something the Pirates had kind of done with Ronzi Contreras, uh, which just kind of, you know, I, I appreciate them doing that, 
but it's kind of their own fault that they had to do that because when he showed up to spring training, he was stretched out as a starter because he's been a starter his entire short-lived minor league career, through his entire college career, and through his high school career. He's been a starting pitcher. Moving him to the bullpen was the new role. So keeping him in the bullpen for two months uh, was, generally speaking, not the best move they could have done. Uh, I, I thought that they did him a disservice by not getting him into the rotation sooner. But, you know, you can't change the past. You can only look forward. And what you what you saw is is what I think somebody who can be a really, really high-impact arm. There are going to be struggles. And when you look at a guy like Strider, guys that throw that hard, their home run rates tend to reflect that too, as uh, you're providing a lot of impetus for the baseball. Uh, and he is also kind of a fly ball pitcher. When, when hitters do make contact, they tend to put the ball in the air against Spencer. So that's going to lead to some outings where it'll be some elevated runs. It'll, be, it'll lead you to some outings where, it's, uh, where it gets kind of ugly kind of quickly. Uh, if he doesn't have the handle on his fastball, his walk rates can kind of climb. That is one of the things that if you were to look at his, his numbers last season and say, hey, where does he actually really need to improve? The walk rates were close to five per nine. Uh, and again, that's just kind of a that's kind of what happens when you're one of these power pitchers. Now he hasn't kind of shown that inclination of the walk rate this season. He's actually been his command has actually been very very good this season. There've been a couple outings where he doesn't quite have it, but for the most part, he he generally knows and can put the ball pretty much where he wants it, or at least in the general vicinity. And when you have a hundred and you have a crazy slider and you have a good changeup as well, then you can get away with not hitting exact pinpoint spots. So yeah, sure, there'll be some outings where he gets clobbered. That there's that way for everybody. Max Freed has outings where he gets clobbered. I don't think anybody's clamoring to move Max Freed back to the bullpen. Charlie Morton's been getting clobbered most of the season. Ian Anderson's been getting clobbered most of the season. Uh, it, it's just kind of what happens in baseball. But when it's going well, and he's got that 100-mile-an-hour up in the zone, and he's pairing that with that, with that really late-breaking, really hard-breaking slider that he can run anywhere from 87 to 90, and then he's got that 80, about 88-mile-an-hour changeup that has some really good fading life on it. That's a hard pitcher to hit. That's a really good, at least that's really good potential. And if you don't have other people in that fifth starter spot, give me the guy that can go out there and, and give you a crazy game. You're not really, you don't really need to have him go seven innings all the time. All you need him to do is be better than what you've been getting from your fifth starter spot. There's no question that he's going to be better than that. So really good outing for Spencer. Don't, don't take the stat line as gospel there. You got to dig into it a little bit deeper. Spencer himself pitched really, really well. Uh, I was very excited to see that. I'm very, very excited to see his next outing and see him progress as he goes forward. I'm, I'm sure there was a lot to take from that and a lot of positives to take from that. Uh, and against a lineup that had a ton of lefties. So that was that was one of the reasons you saw the changeup so often. That's one of those that can be a really good neutralizer against left-handed hitters against him. Uh, and the, just the more comfort he has throwing, it's really the first time he's really brought it out this season, the more he gets comfortable using it and locating it and, and dropping it into his pitch repertoires, uh, the, the more he's going to be able to keep hitters off of that fastball. And he's going to be able to work that high in the zone 100 mile an hour, which is just going to be impossible to hit. So great job by Spencer Strider. Uh, loved, loved seeing him get to 72 pitches, was very economical with those. Uh, you know, if, if, if Marcel makes that catch in left field that doesn't allow the three-run home run to happen in the next batter, then maybe you see Strider end up going a full five. Maybe you even see him get into the sixth. Does that probably cost him about anywhere from about 10 to 12 pitches after that? Maybe you could have seen him on a real roll and the Braves would have won that game, but that's kind of what happens. The Braves offense, despite only scoring two runs, the Braves offense actually did a good job getting on base yesterday going up against Zach Gallen who has been 
one of the better pitchers in baseball this year, Zach Gallon has been outstanding. And anybody that kind of knows Zach Gallon or has been kind of following Zach Gallon for a while isn't that surprised. Gallon is an excellent pitcher and, and really uh, part and parcel of one of, of one of the worst trades ever made and one of the most equal trades ever made, as he was originally a member of the Cardinals, traded to the Marlins um, in that Marcelo Zuna deal that also got the Marlins Sandy Alcantara, which was one of the biggest fleeces ever. Uh, and then he, the, the Marlins then traded him to Arizona straight up for Jazz Chisholm, which has pretty much, I, I don't know that I know another trade that has been so equal as that trade. That has been a phenomenal trade. And this this season so far for Zach Gallon, uh, 2.32 ERA, 2.98 FIP, good for a 1.2 F-War. Uh, he's, the only thing that ever slows Zach Gallon down is injuries. He's a guy that uh, generally gets his strikeouts, averages uh, averages over 10 strikeouts for nine innings. Walk rate is uh, just around 34 but he's a guy that, that doesn't give up a ton of hard contact, gets good ground ball rates because he's got such a good changeup, can throw 94. Really, really good pitcher. And a, a, a guy that, if I'm going to make a, a list of kind of, not really unknowns, but underrated guys that I would want on the Braves or guys that I would look for if you're trying to snag from a team that's not good, Zach Gallon's at the very top of my list. I think he's an incredible pitcher. Uh, and I think that the Braves offense getting seven hits off of him, I thought that was a very, very good job that they did. Zach Gallon is just not a guy that generally gives up a ton of hits and a ton of base runners. The The bad part, obviously, was that you only got two runs out of those. You got seven hits off of off of Gallon, eight total in the game, which kind of lets you know the problem after Gallon left the game. Uh, but you had runners on base consistently against Zach Gallon. He was not comfortable on the mound. He was upset at some calls that he thought he that, that were missed, even though they were balls, which kind of lets you know that he was uh, he wasn't having a great time out there. So I thought the offense did a good job. You got another home run from Austin Riley, and uh, I'm just here to tell you guys now, Austin Riley's about to go into one of his nuclear modes where he just hits homers every day and starts hitting them in bunches. I think you're about to see that. Uh, I had said before the season started that I thought for sure Austin was going to hit 40 homers. He hit one of those long funks that he's kind of still trying to break his way out of now, although he's significantly on the rise. I believe his average has come up about 20 points in the last two or two-ish weeks, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but the power is starting to display itself again. Now the weather's getting a little bit warmer. Maybe they figured out the way around the dead ball a little bit. But I think you're about to see Austin go on one of those runs where he gets a ton of home runs. I think the month of June is going to be a big-time month for Austin Riley power-wise. I think you're going to see uh, quite a few home runs. I wouldn't be surprised if you get double-digit home runs in the month of June for Austin Riley. As, as I, I'm i starting to think that he's going to get that 40-homer plateau again. Um, need him to take, take a few more walks now. I, the, the walk rate for him is still higher than it's been uh, over the course of his career, but it is pretty significantly down from that spots earlier in the season where he was just spitting on bad pitches and uh, I'd like to see him get back to that he's sitting at 12 homers now 7.7 percent on the walk rate this year so it has actually officially dropped below his 2021 and 2020 mark uh, but before that he was sitting closer to 8.9 percent uh, when I did the show Thursday maybe either Thursday or Saturday show um, this morning in the Atlanta airport no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. 
Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. That's kind of what I'm looking to see from Austin here. Uh, and, and if they can get that from Matt Olson as well, who as soon as he can kind of get the launch angle thing figured out, I think he'll start hitting his homers in bunches. You know Ronald's going to start getting the power numbers here anytime soon. Uh, it, it's going to happen. This team will start doing or start performing a lot better. Um, and now that we have Strider in the rotation, there's not there's not as many things I'm sitting here banging the table about other than um, we have kind of discovered you need you need William Contreras in the lineup more often than not. Now, I don't know that it would have made the big difference yesterday as uh, you got eight hits yesterday, but you got it with eight different players. Another way of saying that, if you want to go the negative route, is uh, no one was able to get multiple hits. <laughs> but the positive spin on that is it it was eight different batters that, that got base hits. That's a good thing. That's really, really good. That means a lot of guys in your lineup overall were putting good swings on the baseballs, or at least through one at-bat were putting good swings on the baseball. And that's good. If you can do that normally, if you can – if you can kind of average that out to where most of your guys are able to get one hit a game, you should, generally speaking, you should win that game. You should score more than two runs. Didn't happen yesterday for the Braves, but I'll take that night in and night out. You tell me you get you get a hit from all but one of your starters in the lineup, then I'll take my chances on that. And the only starter yesterday that did not get a base hit is the newest starter, Michael Harris. Uh, now, if you guys were listening Saturday when I did the uh, the the broadcast from Emory for the Special Olympics of Georgia, um, <laughs> I had said in in one segment that uh, Alex Anthopoulos wasn't really the type to to call Michael Harris up over and just skip AAA. Uh, that that would be a very aggressive assignment for for a, a guy that didn't even have a lot of time at at Double A. Uh, I did not think you'd see him call to the majors, and then about five minutes after I said that. Alex Anthopoulos decides to uh, call up Michael Harris to the show, and he's been playing center field ever since. Um, defensively, has been superb. You already saw him make a really, really good play uh, on a play that he kind of he kind of overran it a little bit for a dive going forward, and he actually ended up barehanding the play, which was awesome. Uh, but you've seen him in the outfield. He's got the range, the speed to cover the ground. He's got a really strong arm, and it allows Duvall to move over to a corner which when Ronald Acuna is playing right field means Duvall can play left and Ozuna can DH or, and then you can have Contreras catch or whatever. Um, but at this point, you really don't want Marcel in the field any more than you absolutely have to. Um, I, I would put, I would put Contreras in left field and have Ozuna DHing, even if I have to put uh, Contreras in the outfield, just because while Contreras doesn't read the ball as well as Marcel and probably doesn't have as much range right now because he doesn't get as good of a read, you, you, Marcel's not a good defender anyway, which means what little gains I get from him in reading the ball, in the case of one that's not a routine play, he then also loses me that advantage because he's got a noodle for an arm. So for Marcel Ozuna, I basically just want him to hit. I don't want him having to be in the field at all. And if that means I have to have a, 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 slight, a worse defender as far as making reads in Contreras, but I get his arm in the outfield, I'm, I'm fine with that. It'll wash out enough. Mostly hits you get are going to be routine plays anyway, and I would expect that they can kind of teach him some, at least to be playable uh, in left field. And I, I, you just have to have his bat in the lineup. There's no other way around it. You have to have his bat in the lineup. And for the Braves tonight, they're going to turn, they're going to turn to Charlie Morton, look to get the taste of his last start out of his mouth. He gets a good matchup tonight against Humberto Castellanos. 
not a very great, not a very, not a strong pitcher. One of the rookies for the Diamondbacks. Uh, not a big strikeout guy. Not the the best command of any of their pitchers. He's a guy that if you just look at his stuff, this Braves offense should do very well. The problem with that is we've seen the Braves offense tend to struggle against bad pitchers before. Um, but again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The Braves team have been swinging the bats really well for the most part. Uh, struggles against Sandy Alcantara aside, they've they've been swinging the bat really well over the last three series or so. Uh, so I would think that tonight is a prime opportunity for it to continue. Castellanos is nowhere near the level of Zach Gallen, and you were swinging the bat well against Zach Gallen. So it's not it's not linear like that. You can't just say, well, he did good. They did good against this guy, so they'll do better against this guy. You still got to go out and play it. Uh, but it should be a favorable matchup for the Braves' offense and for Charlie. We're going to have to see how he's going to handle a heavy left-handed lineup. The Diamondbacks have a lot of lefties and a lot of switch hitters uh, that can kind of feast a little bit. But when Charlie's going right, that curveball is pretty devastating. That curveball in kind of like a back foot type of curveball is very devastating to left-handed hitters. So for Charlie, I think we'll know fairly early what kind of day it's going to be for him. I know he's just trying to chase a little bit of consistency and get some swing and miss. Uh, Arizona is a lineup that I think he can do that with. You obviously got to be careful with guys like Paven Smith and, and Cattell Marte, uh, Josh Rojas a little bit as well, uh, and Dalton Varsho, who is quietly one of the one of the more interesting style of players in baseball as he goes from playing center field to catching. Very athletic, uh, has good power, hits the ball pretty hard, and, and puts good swings on pitches. So uh, while the Diamondbacks aren't a great team, right now they're a half game above the Braves, so that kind of lets you know where the Braves have been at for a while. It'd be a good opportunity to score first against Castellanos. I always prefer when the Braves can get some runs right away. It allows the pitcher to settle in. And obviously the Braves, like most teams, are a much better team record-wise when they score first. When you make the other team have to chase, then chances are you're going to win more games than not. And that's you know that's the only thing you can ask. It doesn't need that much more depth behind it. Just you you normally win when you score first. Score first. Uh, that's why you generally set up your lineup so your best hitters are getting your first three at bats. So uh, Dancy Swanson has been hitting in the two hole for a little while now. While he's been on one of his hot streaks, um, went one for four yesterday. Ronald one for four yesterday. Dansby did steal a couple bags, which is another another thing that we should probably talk about with Dansby. Uh, actually, he stole a couple bags the other day, not yesterday. I'm sorry, I got my days mixed up. Uh, but Dansby sitting at eight steals this year, where his career high is ten. I love that the Braves are being a lot more aggressive on the base paths. As a matter of fact, I think Ozzy's been caught four times, and I think the Braves have been caught five times total this season. So um, kind of weird that Ozzy has struggled running the bases so far after having his first 20-steal campaign last year. But I feel like that's something the Braves can, can continue to do. And If Michael Harris can find himself on base, uh, whether that's through walks or, or, or singles here or there or whatever, whenever he's on base, he's a real threat to run. He's a very good base runner. He's very quick. Uh, he's pretty fast. I don't, he's not like Ronald Acuna fast, but he's probably he, you probably give him a sixty on the twenty to eighty grade scale. He's just got to get himself on base enough to utilize it, which I think he can. Um, I think that's kind of what you want to see from Michael Harris is is, is to be uh, he's he's not going to be where he needs he's he's not going to be hitting you know three fifty uh, and blasting out doubles and triples and homers. He's not really ready for that. He definitely needs some some time. But with Duvall not being able to hit while playing center field, I think the Braves feel they have to do everything they can to try to get him going, which is to get somebody up to play center so you can move Duvall to a corner. No matter how bad Duvall hits right now, you're not going to move him to the bench permanently. The defense for him is so important, uh, and especially because we saw early on this year what it was like having uh, two-thirds of your outfield consist of bad defenders. You can't really do that 
Uh, and with Acuna still kind of ginger or or them not wanting to commit to playing him in the field every night and wanting them to kind of do this kind of half-cautious thing with him, then you got to have some defense out there. You can't roll out there with Arcia and, and Ozuna in the outfield every single night either. So um, it's a good idea to get Duvall in a corner. I think you'll see his offense come around a little bit, especially as it starts to warm up. Um, but I, I think if anything is going to help him get jump-started on offense, it'll be moving to a corner and, and saving his legs a little bit so he's not so worn out. Um, other key is just going to be getting Ronald back to the field. Obviously, once you get Ronald back into the field on a more consistent basis, the defense will uh, will come up. That'll allow you to DH Ozuna or Contreras, depending on what you're doing with Travis Darno and which days he's catching. Um, and that's kind of one area that you look at with the team and start to wonder what their approach is going to be towards the deadline. Now, I've done a lot of deadline talk so far, so I don't really want to do anything of that today. Uh, really, I, I, I'm running to the end of the episode here. Um, what I want to see from Charlie tonight is, is far more important than the trade deadline talk right now. I think in a, in a few weeks, we'll continue with trade deadline talk. I guess it's, it's kind of a fun thing to come out and bring out if I don't have a lot of actual real content. Um, but I don't feel like doing that today. Um, just talking about tonight's matchup, I want to see Charlie get some swing and miss early. I feel like when Charlie gets through the first inning fairly quickly, fairly economically, then you get a better outing from him. Not just that he goes longer because his pitch count is lower, but because he's able to settle in. And if he can get the the leadoff guys, the the first three, uh, first three or four of the Diamondbacks lineup, you're getting through the best part of the Diamondbacks lineup. And that kind of gives Charlie a little bit of confidence. And when he kind of gets that going and he can get when he can get situated early, especially if he's got his curveball early and he's getting swing and miss on that curveball early. If he can if he can get that and get the confidence up a little bit more and, and kind of get that Charlie Morton swagger going, that's a tough day at the ballpark for any opposing lineup. So I'd love to see Charlie kind of get that going. Uh, always got to be careful in Arizona, particularly if the uh if the uh if the if the uh ceiling is open in Arizona because that uh that ballpark don't play as far as home runs are, are concerned. You can you see the ball come off the bat pretty well and then uh, go pretty long ways outside, pretty much everywhere outside of Colorado. Colorado, obviously, is where you hit the biggest bombs. Jesus Sanchez yesterday with a 496-footer. Um, but Arizona is one of those launch pads, too. So you do have to be a little bit careful when you're as off-speed heavy as Charlie Morton. Can't leave too many in the middle of the zone. Can't, uh, can't leave that breaker up in the zone really at all. Um, but... For the Braves, it's a good opportunity to even up the series before you get to your final game uh, on uh, tomorrow night, which will be Kyle Wright versus Madison Bumgarner. I know the Braves have some uh, have some unfinished business with Madison Bumgarner in the no-hitter that wasn't. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, not a guy that should be doing that to the Braves anymore. It's, I, it's one of my most one of the most annoying players in baseball to me. Uh, and while he's annoying himself, it's more the way that people speak about him. Uh, as if he's still some supreme ace pitcher, which he's just not. He's just not that good of a pitcher anymore. Uh, and a lot of it comes into where um, there were certain people around the Braves organization broadcasting and such that uh, were, were all hard and heavy over Madison Bumgarner and were upset when the Braves didn't sign him. But uh, I would love to see the Braves take the game against Castellanos tonight. And you have Kyle Wright matching up with Bumgarner tomorrow, uh, which should be a nice example of... Uh, uh, of the changing of the guard as while Bumgarner has a good ERA 3-3-5 this year um, not exactly racking up the strikeouts as he only has 31 and 48 in the third innings 16 walks for him meanwhile Kyle Wright sitting there with 61 strikeouts in uh, sitting uh, sitting there with 61 strikeouts and 53 and two-thirds so just get it to the point where you can go to Kyle Wright to win your series it's why I really like seeing Kyle Wright as the third slot in this rotation right now 
he's kind of been the stopper. He and Max have been the two all season long. Uh, and whenever you can feel like you have an opportunity to get to Kyle Wright with a chance to win the series, even if you're not going to be sweeping teams, which no Braves fan should be surprised about. The Braves aren't really a team that ever really sweeps people. Uh, just keep winning series, and you'll you'll eventually start shortening that gap against the Mets because you do you you got to start making some inroads. And we've been mentioning for a while that you're at an easier part of the schedule, um, but you got to start figuring out what you can do to to shorten this this gap between you and the Mets because you can't just let it be a, a such such a long gap for so long. The Mets right now are 33 and 17. The Braves are nine and a half back. You can't really afford to keep falling back. You're only four games out of a wild card spot, which means that you're still in the thick of the playoff hunt. But nobody around here wants to win a wild card. You want to win a want to win a division and go on that way, and you want to keep your stamp on the division. And when you're when you're talking about the division right now, everybody else is clumped right together, and the Mets are are way out in front of everybody else. So Braves need to start making some inroads. That starts tonight with Charlie Morton versus Humberto Castellanos. Win tonight, win tomorrow. Feel really good. Keep going into these series against under 500 teams and keep doing what you can do. But for now, that's going to do it for me. We'll be back again on Thursday here for the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 